India made some short and long-term climate commitments at COP26. These mandate radical economic transformation with some potentially significant developmental trade-offs. For transitioning to net zero in a manner that is equitable and also takes care of our development goals, it's crucial to understand the economy-wide impacts of low-carbon pathways for India. Hi, I'm Garima and you are listening to our podcast, Quotes and Notes, Sound Bites on Science, Technology and Policy. In this edition, Ramya Natarajan and Kritika Ravishankar from the Climate Change Mitigation Team at C-STEP will talk about their study on assessing the macroeconomic and distributional impacts of low-carbon policies employing multiplier models. Hi everyone, I'm Ramya Natarajan and I have with me Kritika Ravishankar, my favorite economist. Two words rarely used together. We are here today to talk about this very interesting study we've just completed called the economic impacts of low carbon policies. So Kritika, could you take us through the thinking behind the need for this study? Why is it important and what were the main objectives? Yeah, sure. Hi Ramya, hi everyone. So the basic objective of this study was to understand the spillover effects across the economy of a particular low carbon intervention. So for example, if you look at India's targets for increasing renewable energy in the electricity mix, the obvious uh, spillover effects have to do with reduced demand for coal, leading to reduced coal-based jobs and reduced income. Uh, But increased solar and wind power also leads to an increase in demand for steel and other materials, which in turn could increase uh, demand for fossil fuels for production. So it's important to quantify these relationships and study the net impact of any low carbon policy. Another example is carbon pricing. A carbon price is a widely used intervention to encourage low carbon energy transition. Let's say we're imposing a tax on carbon in one particular industry, like the fossil fuel industry. Then it's not just that industry that's being uh, impacted. The effects of the tax will be felt all along that industry's supply chain, and it will affect the final consumer as well. So it's important to understand where the effects are felt and who's impacted the most so that policies can be framed in a way that minimizes negative impacts and also helps us achieve the goal of shifting to a low carbon economy. Right, absolutely. And just to add to that, as an energy modeler, I do find that most energy system models that are typically used to create low carbon scenarios for the country, including our safari model, Uh, we consider GDP and other economic parameters to be completely exogenous to the model. So there is a a scenario for, say, 100% electric vehicles by 2050, but the impact of that scenario on GDP or income is rarely captured. And in fact, it's quite impossible to capture because the national accounts, whether the input-output tables or the social accounting matrix, they don't yet have electric vehicles as a separate sector or column in the matrix. Similarly for RE and such, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's why we undertook this SAM extension exercise to disaggregate the electricity sector. For those who aren't familiar, a social accounting matrix or SAM is uh, essentially a matrix representing all the economic agents in the country and the transactions that occurred between them in a particular year, which is known as the SAM's base year. So in this study, we split the aggregate electricity generation sector into nuclear, coal, solar, hydro, and so on, and also built SAM-based multiplier models to simulate different policy scenarios. Uh, A multiplier model just uses matrix algebra to help identify the magnitude and distribution of the impacts of implementing a particular policy. 
for example, we can measure the change in gross domestic product or in sectoral profits, uh, changes in income and expenditure of households and so on. And the models can also help us determine which sections or groups are most impacted. So for example, we can say one particular household class is likely to be more impacted so that uh, adequate policy support can be directed towards those that need it the most. Uh, so in other words, the SAM provides a snapshot of the entire economy in a year. And since all sectors of the economy are represented, models that are built using the SAM can help us understand the effects or impacts of policies cross-sectorally. And in terms of data, we used the annual survey of industries data, which is available in the public domain, to disaggregate the electricity generation sector. Wow. So you had to first disaggregate the SAM to include sectors of relevance, like RE in this case, and then build a multiplier model and then begin simulating scenarios. How long did this process take? Yeah, to get to the point where it was ready to simulate, it took many, many months. And um, I should mention our advisor, Dr. Barun Pal, without whom this wouldn't have been possible. Definitely. Thank you so much, Dr. Barun. So having spent all this time on disaggregating the electricity generation sector, the first scenario I'm guessing that you were waiting to analyze was, uh, of course, the impact of increasing the share of RE and decreasing the share of coal-based electricity, especially given India's commitment at COP of having 50% power capacity as RE by 2030. Yeah. Uh, and electricity is something used by all sectors, industries, households, et cetera. So what kind of impact did increased RE have on the overall economy? Uh, so overall, reducing the share of coal by about 50% and increasing the share of RE, mainly solar, has positive effects on the economy. And we saw that GDP rises by about 0.16% and household income rises and non-fossil fuel industries make profits because the expansion of RE leads to more demand for materials like steel and cement. Uh, but what this also means is that demand for coal won't reduce as much as we like because the production processes for iron and cement aren't yet fully decarbonized. So uh, while using more RE for power generation is a good step, it's not enough to achieve significant mitigation. Uh, we then wanted to see what would happen if government subsidies for solar power increased, because that can encourage the industry and help us uh, achieve the goals that we committed to at COP. So we simulated a 60% increase in solar subsidies, and we found that key industries like uh, iron and steel and cement ended up having higher profit margins, which means that they might be able to allocate some resources to expand domestic manufacturing and set up low carbon technologies as well. Uh, we also saw that households ended up with higher savings in this scenario. So you're saying uh, increasing the share of RE in electricity generation alone, meaning investing in RE, will have a positive impact on the economy in terms of GDP and incomes, but it uh, doesn't necessarily do enough towards phasing out coal because increased solar and wind also means increased requirements for coal-dependent industries like iron and steel, etc. Uh, however, if subsidies for solar are also increased, then these coal-dependent industries will have higher profit margins, which they can be incentivized to use or invest in decarbonization technology. Absolutely. And how they can be incentivized to do that brings us to our next scenario, carbon taxes. Oh, that's my favorite. So there was this very interesting uh, recent nature paper that analyzed the distributional impacts of carbon taxes in uh, various developing countries in Asia. And uh, they found that in India, a nationwide carbon tax would be regressive. So according to this study, would poorer households be worse off with a carbon tax? 
the incidence of tax depends to some extent on where it's imposed. For example, we simulated a scenario where we imposed a tax on unrefined fossil fuels, meaning raw coal and raw crude oil. And in that case, the impact on household expenditure was negligible and the key polluting industries actually bore the majority of the tax burden. So based on the scenarios that we've analyzed, we think it makes sense to start with increasing investments in RE as well as increasing government subsidies for RE so that we have short-term gains in terms of GDP and income. And then we can introduce a tax on unrefined fossil fuels, which can encourage industries to invest their profits in low carbon technologies. And uh, actually, once there are enough low cost, low carbon alternatives available, my guess is that a carbon tax on refined fuels that are consumed by households wouldn't be very regressive because people will be able to shift to the, to the alternatives, which is not the case right now. Neat. This is a really interesting and important piece of work, Kritika. Uh, are you looking at expanding the SAM further to include other low carbon options too, like EVs? Yeah, and the ultimate aim is to be able to simulate uh, the net economic impact of a net zero scenario for India. Definitely looking forward to that. Listeners, hope you enjoyed our discussion. Please do reach out to us if you have any questions or thoughts about this study. Thanks for listening. Bye.